later on today's episode. The 60s was a pivotal time for independence and things like that in Africa. And then, of course, the civil rights movement was happening here in the U.S. So it was just, you know, that. So um, that's that. You know, that was her story. Patrice, did you have something to add? Yeah. um, Towards the end, they said six million people were exported from Angola alone from 1525 to 1866 and the Portuguese occupation ended in 1975 yeah 75 both our parents were alive like they were around kicking and raising hell already you know um, I think my parents were teenagers actually Um, it's Hello, this is Patrice. Thank you for clicking on this episode. Here at the Melanated Intellects Podcast, we talk about everything from Black mental health and personal growth to Black world history. And my name is Shayla. Here you will find a balance between topics everyone is talking about and topics no one is talking about. Either way, we guarantee we will be bringing our distinct intellectual perspective. Hey, 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 welcome back. Welcome back. Um, So this is part two of another bonus episode. If you haven't already checked out part one, uh, you should. Uh, This is going to be a documentary focused on a newer Netflix docuseries, um, African Queens. Yeah, I think it just came out like in June. Okay. So I didn't know when I was like, I know it definitely came out this year, but I don't yeah. I know it was new. May or June, I should say. Um, so Very African soon, Queens, and we're new. focusing on the story of Queen Njenga. So in part one, we, we set the scene. We got you through about halfway through the story. And where we left off, just as a refresher, is her brother in Bande was, was not doing a good job of leading and um negotiating and and really fighting the portuguese who were attempting to move their territory inland towards uh their country in dongo which is current day angola and uh he was losing and a lot of people including her saw him to be weak he died some say she killed him some say he killed himself because he was just so very depressed about the state of his people and, and where these negotiations negotiations excuse me had led them and uh anyway after he after he died she went to casa who was someone she had worked with in the past and he led a group of mbangala so there's multiple factions of mbangala he was a smaller group uh, married him uh and then killed her nephew and once she killed her nephew she rose in power Um, as long as her nephew was alive, she would have been regent queen, meaning she would have needed to get approval for things. And she felt that people wouldn't respect her, uh, as much. And so that's where we've left off in the story. Um, so, okay. So moving on. So their marriage is annulled after she kills her nephew because Casa was not a a fan of that at all. Not only did he not know it was going to happen, but he, he just, he wasn't down for that. Um, and it, it actually, she killed her nephew on their wedding day. 
Yeah, and like he had built this bond because remember he went and trained. Like the son was sent away to live with Casa after Mbande passed away. So like there was a bond there between these two and then she just murders him right there. He was going to be one of the soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. So he Casa was not happy about that. So 1625 uh, is where we're at and she's now 42 and she's a ruler. She is female king uh, of her, of her country. And um, there's a military base in an island in these islands that they've now been pushed to. So um, people sent their best warriors. And when I say people, I mean, other parts of surrounding areas of Africa sent because now people are like, okay, we got this new female king and she shaking stuff up and, you know, we now have a new leader. So other areas other than um, where they were started sending their best warriors to be able to assist her in her plans because she really wanted the Portuguese gone. She's been steadfast with that, with that concept uh, throughout the entire uh, documentary. She stays serious about that. Okay, so people send their best and uh, not just her people. And she sends messages out to everyone to um, essentially coordinate and let everybody know, hey, we're going to rise up and we're going to defend, you know, what's ours. And they say that slaves left plantations in mass droves. Uh, enslaved soldiers left their posts and um, she blocked roads uh, where the slave trade was happening to block business. So this serious, uh, you know, she, she meant business and, um, you know, she, I think I'm not certain at what point the Portuguese knew this, but to me, if they didn't know prior at this point, she proved herself to be a, a real serious problem for them. Like you, you're not going up against, uh, you know, a, a small country of savages who don't know no better, right? Like her mm-hmm. military prowess is one that sh- should have earned their respect. If not prior, then definitely at this point. Yeah. Patrice, anything you want to add? The, when she start coming for the money, that's it um, for sure. And I think um, something to call out too, as far as why they kept targeting this location was because it was a direct I don't know how to say it, but like a direct line as far as convenient in travel to Brazil. So again, Brazil mm. is a sugar plantation, one of the biggest plantations. So, you know, in the beginning, I think it's like part one, they show a map and it's literally a direct line as far mm-hmm. as the journey of what it takes to get to and from um, this location for Portuguese to Brazil and trans- as far as transporting slaves. And it's the easiest so mm-hmm. they're really trying to focus on this region versus going further into Africa. West Africa right here was the best location. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So when she started blocking roads, um, she disrupted their money tremendously. Mm-hmm. In fact, in Luanda, uh, where, remember where she, if you, if you heard part one, hopefully you did, where she went to go meet the governor for the first time and he didn't offer her the chair, where that transaction took place was Luanda that's so that's like the Portuguese's base okay Mm -hmm. they got a new governor the the king of Portugal was like okay this is a problem the first governor clearly is not handling her she's she is a real problem for us I'm gonna send somebody else 
So there's a new governor in town um, and they're losing money and they're furious about it. Uh, they asked for their people back because remember people left in droves, slaves left in droves who were working on plantations and things of that nature. So they asked for their slaves back. Uh, she told them there are no slaves here in her kingdom. So I don't know what slaves you're talking about. In fact, I think there's even a scene where she agreed like, yeah, I'll send, I'll send slaves back. Now, it's, what slaves are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, because it's the language. Um, he's yeah. like, give us back our property. She said, I'm sorry, oh, our property. property. And he's like, slaves. And she's like, oh, I'll return your property. Please point us out. Let us know which one of us is a slave. Yeah. And he's like, oh. I think he was like a minister. Why they send that man? Do I don't see know. That was slaves here. Yeah, essentially. That was Tora. They ain't saying, but yeah. So uh, she ain't giving it back. So that didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> she, said, she said, "Fuck your click." And yeah. the, she said, "Fuck you and the click you claim." That's what she said. That's what she said. Yeah. Um. So she, she's just, she's a problem. She's a threat and, um, she's public enemy number one and they launch a holy war against her. And this is in 1626. They launch a holy war against her. That's serious. That is serious. They launched a whole war for this lady. Okay. Um, they begin a military campaign and eventually, um, they surround her in the islands, but this took a while though, but they surround her in the islands. They are relentless and she loses a lot of people. Um, so she retreats, you know, because that's what she has to do, um, at this point, but the, they rose is still blocked though. So don't get that twisted. <laughs> <laughs> she leaves her sisters behind and I really wish she wouldn't do, have done this, but she leaves her. Yeah. It's uh, like a war camp, right? Yeah somewhere she leaves and that wasn't clear to me where she left them and where she went like that part wasn't clear but I do know she left them behind um and she sends her highest official to to um negotiate with the Portuguese and she agrees to open up the roads if they acknowledge her as queen and she offers tribute items so, um, this is her way of negotiating and being like, okay, acknowledge me as the African royalty that I am. And okay, I'll go ahead and open up your roads. Um, they imprison and behead her official that is sent. So that's a no, no, they're not willing to agree to her terms. And they took her sisters as a bargaining chip. And she is devastated. So she's really close to her sisters. And they took both of them. Fungi and Kambu. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they took both of them. Um, they say that Kansanji has a violent and cannibal past. So, um... As a reminder, Kasanji is the larger Mbangala leader. And um, so, you know, he was originally employed by the Portuguese in the very beginning. But now that they're using her sister as a bargaining chip, you know, the the, the narrators kind of go into a lot more detail about him. 
um, in his troops. Um, and I, I was trying to understand if they were trying to connect him to voodoo or not, to be real with you. Oh, did you do that? I did not have that connection, but you know what? Based on what I saw visually, that makes yeah. sense. But yeah. no, I did or not. Or hoodoo, I should that. say. Sorry, hoodoo. Hmm. You know what? I can see that. I was trying to. I was waiting for them to say that that was their belief system, but I didn't. Um. I ne- They never made that connection. You Good know. Point. Um. And for the audience, like he's described to be, as Shayla was saying, violent dangerous um with a history of hurting his own people but the piece that they spent the most time on was cannibalistic as well Mm -hmm. and his army actually was like eighty thousand troops so very large army but you know just the way he's portrayed they're they the the white men refer to him as the ghost i believe it was at one point they did have a nickname for him something like that Yeah, yeah it was like ghost the white ghost or the ghost mist or something like that Um, but they're covered in like this white paint, um, and everything is very black and bloody. Even their armor is very dark and, um, they kind of have like red smudges and, um, there's a, their turf that they, I'm going to say lounge for lack of better words, where they lounge at (laughs) is, you know, a lot of skulls open with blood and a lot of Mm. blood everywhere. Um, there's prisoners very visibly in the background locked up and tied up bamboo prisons. So like, um, it looked like bamboo, good but wood, I don't know. But, um, you know, it's very dark, you know, mm. type of situation. So I was, that's why I say I was waiting for them to connect them to hoodoo mm. or something like that. That would have aligned or made sense to me based off some of the practices that they described. Mm. Um, and cause they also did sacrificial rituals and, all of that, but they never made that connection. Good point. Yeah, I did not. You know what? I did not make that connection, but it totally makes sense now that you said that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that that was that's an accurate what Patrice just described is an accurate description based on the uh, documentary. And um, <clears throat> the reason why why I skipped to Kansanji is because the Mbangala they want to become more settled, right? So they don't have a place to call their own. They don't have, you know, and they're hired oh, hands. They're military and there's a lot of them, right? So they don't, even though he is their leader, you know, he's not a king, right? Not yeah. not by title, uh, at least. So it's said that they want to become more settled. Um, now, remind you, she is known for taking on aspects of other cultures and of individuals, groups that she wants to get something from. So um, she wants to prove herself and she goes to Kansanji and um, suggests that they get married. So she, she said, form an alliance. That man said, you got to be my wife then. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I feel like she knew that that's what came with it. Oh, she said alliance. I don't know. I don't think marriage. I was I was thinking, oh, alliance, we going to fight together. Like at the beginning uh, of Casa days. No, he said, no, you going to marry me, woman. Okay. Marry me. Well, I mean, that gets him what he wants for his people. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, I, you know, he, everybody's uh, looking out for that. She said, I just want to fight. <laughs> 
I think I think that's my opinion. Okay. Which I told you in the beginning. I feel like she was just like, no, nah, I really just, I'm, I'm not trying to live nowhere near you this time. Like, Casa was cool, but I don't know about you. But that's my brain. Uh-oh. That's why I registered. Y'all got to watch it. Well, you know, she had to go to him. I, I think really as a last resort. You know what I mean? But, yes, absolutely. You know, he yeah. definitely made her earn it. Um, they say she had to consume um, blood of a human person. Because he was known for cannibal, uh, cannibalistic behavior, uh, so she had to take on she had to take on some of their culture and things that were specific to in Bengala to kind of prove herself for her people. You know, so she did what she needed to do. And like, I think that there was that, and also like the dropping of her. What was it? A bell or, um. It was oh, a bell yeah. that she leaders carried. He made her throw it away. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, so I feel like in a way. A... Yeah. Okay. So just to give some background, so she had um, like a symbol of her power for her royalty and legacy uh, in leading her people, and mm-hmm. it appeared that each leader had a different symbol for the you know that was unique to them and hers was some sort of bell mm-hmm. and, and in negotiation she had to give that away and, or give that up and and even in their conversation he was like you need to understand you don't run this here yeah like, so yeah she, like essentially he she had to, to take her. a step down yeah. in leadership so he she became second to him is you know essentially is what he uh, wanted or was part of his negotiation or what he asked for. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And there's like controversy over, you know, how did she consume the blood? Was it through flesh? Was it through, you know, was mm. it just blood or, you know, did she kill somebody? You know, what was it? You know, sacrifice. And, you know, did she become a cannibal or not in that moment? Was this a regular practice? Um, it sounds like, and um, you know how people who are outside of things tend to speculate but so that was like a controversial moment the fact that she did it and to what extent did she do it there's very little detail about it um but they did consummate the marriage so um that did take place mm-hmm. yeah so i don't know i i believe that she did whatever she felt she needed to do for her people yeah. that's what i believe and yep. so and i'm saying I just, that's not clear to me what in what way sacrificed or did what I don't know, but whatever she needed to do in order to gain his trust, I believe she did because she mm-hmm. proved herself to be somebody who would be who you needed her to be to protect her people. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, I agree. Um, now she wanted a base at what? What was the place she wanted a base at? Matamba. Matamba. Yeah, I can't read my handwriting. Okay, Matamba. <laughs> I skipped over the T, by the way, so I'm glad you said that. You? She said Matamba. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I know that's not right, so let me ask. <laughs> let me ask Patrice, because I know, I know that's not right. You know, I was trying to hurry up and write while I was listening to Jada. I'm sorry. That's why I typed it, because uh, my handwriting was looking scary. I said, nah, we got to start this over. <laughs> <laughs> Move it over. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> 
Okay, so she wanted to base at Matamba. Now, Matamba is kind of like a new start for her and her people as far as she's concerned, right? Like she can set up camp. She can be kind of queen of her own base over there without being up under her new husband. So she has a lot of motivation for Matamba and to take it over and to make it a new home, essentially. Um, now it's a four year long quest and see, that's what I meant, uh, early. Cause I talked about this in, in part one, how like these years are going by and, you yeah. know, they still have her sisters, right? They still have her sisters, you know, she's still blocking their road, right? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's just this, this, I don't know. And maybe that's because normally I see things on like big picture film, as opposed to documentary, of course, I've watched documentaries mainly for this podcast, but things happen so quickly. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you fought, you did something, I retaliate, right? Like, it's just quick back and forth. When I know this was a course of years and years. So, anyways, and four w- year long quest. Mm-hmm. And I would even like remember a Santi tribe, like theirs lasted 14 years or something like that, too. Mm-hmm. And I think in comparison to like U.S. history, I think the longest our fights have ever lasted was like four years or something like that. Oh, I, you know, I can see that. You well, know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. I feel like so to me, if I think it feels even longer thinking about that, like your whole teenage years, you know what I mean? You are, your country's been at war, you know, um, or fighting for independence or against colonization. Like at some point it's like a way of life, you know, mm. um, depending on what country you come from and what the circumstances are. So and they had already been there 50 years prior to all of this starting. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's real. That's mm-hmm. real. So um, four years. So it's now 1635 and she is now 53. Um, and she is leading an army of both in Bengala and Matamba soldiers so she took over Matamba and um her army her power is kind of strong now um so she bandages the queen uh, that was there in Matamba and took her daughter and telling her told her essentially to never come back and um you know I think does she take her daughter on and like agrees to train her and uh, that wasn't the case but she did give the queen another kingdom to rule she yeah. did send her somewhere where she would still be a queen and you know she didn't knock her off her authority but she took her daughter and was like she'll be safe here no no harm will come there but you better not bring your ass back or that will change that was, correct yeah yeah, yeah. okay mm-hmm. um so that's where that ends and that was, that's the end of uh episode three uh essentially was matamba yeah um okay so now um the slave trade is still happening full force okay um they still have her sisters and in order to get them back she must give them access to the slave routes and she refuses you know so that's still happening so the portuguese are still losing money patrice might know the numbers better than me do you do you know how much money they lost so okay and I was going to do this math. I'm so happy you're asking this question. Oh, okay. Yeah, give me. We can come back yeah, to it me, if you need a minute. Yeah, to, give me a couple seconds. Figure. I'm gonna Okay, so while Patrice doing the math, she um, lost the Portuguese a lot, a lot of money. Um, so I'm just going to put that out there. Patrice is going to give us the numbers later. 
So um, they gave her one sister back, hoping, uh, and this was Cambu, that was the middle sister. They gave her one sister back, hoping they would have, uh, you know, that would help her open up the slave markets. She refuses. So, you know, this, they didn't gave her back a sister and she still said no. And she still said, no, I'm not opening. And I mean, I think that was her leverage, right? Because if she opened back up the slave routes, then, you know, that was a good part of her leverage and what she was doing. And obviously this overall plan now that she, you know, cause she's got an army behind her mm-hmm. now. So some plants can really take place now that she has that power. Do you have the info for us? Yes. So they reference, and I'm kind of jumping ahead with the math as far as how I figured this out. So they reference 200 slaves equaling half a million dollars later. So it's like 500,000, right? I took that because they were ba- the port hat was on annual doing about 16,000 slaves annually. That's 31 million. Hmm. Okay. So there you there you have it. There you have it. So she was a force to be reckoned with. She really was nothing to play with. Um so anyway, at this point her sister had been her sisters had been captive 12 years. So again, time-wise, right? Like I'm glad mm-hmm. they kept re- referencing like the year because they would be like 1635, 16, yeah. you know what I mean? Like they kept referencing it. I think that was um, important. Um, Fungi is the youngest sister and she actually ends up being a spy for Njenga and she leaves notes. They have a network of spies and a lot of detail was not given, but somehow she leaves a note underneath the carpet and then somehow it gets to her so actually her sister being captive helped in jenga in coming up with plans against the portuguese um so 1641 the dutch arrive now the dutch um according to them at least they don't want to conquer indongo so I think that has her ear, you know, because Portuguese has been all about conquering, bringing, you know, you need to convert and bring Catholicism here. Mm-hmm. So she's, and, and so far they haven't been disrespectful. Everybody has a chair, you know what I mean? Like, you know, so, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not the chair. <laughs> okay, everybody has a chair, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So it's, you know, they, they are coming at her at, at better, not that it's hard to do to come at her better than the Portuguese, but they are coming at her better than the Portuguese, okay? So the Dutch arrive, um, and Jenga continues attacking the Portuguese. And, yo, I think this is where you were talking about earlier. They, they the slaves go down to zero. So they were taking 10,000 or something like that slaves and went down to zero. Mm-hmm. They send a new governor. So this is the second time they didn't replace the governor. Um, the Portuguese does. Yeah. Yes, the Portuguese send a and new governor. And it's the third one. Oh, remember the there third? was the original dude, oh, there's the second yes. dude who's more brutal, and then there's yeah, the third the guy. The third one, yeah. So, um, and he sends the biggest army that she's ever faced. Um, so Njenga has to keep retreating, and her sister is taken again, meaning they have both her sisters now. And then they find out that her youngest sister, Fuji, has been spying. So they kill her. 
So um, that's that was sad because I was like, dang, you know, they had a thing going, you know, the spy network, and you know what I mean. So anyway, to me, that was a sad moment when they killed her. Son. Yeah. So anyway, the Dutch want the slave markets, uh, so they they want the roads unblocked as well. She wants a treaty. And I think the first time she made an agreement with the Portuguese, what I don't think it was written down, was it? It wasn't an official treaty, I should say. No, it was not. It, it was, was not. not. Yeah, so this time she like, okay, I didn't, I didn't learn that y'all, that y'all don't always keep y'all words. So I want an official treaty, and an alliance in writing. Um, so they signed a treaty. They signed a treaty, and um, she agrees to give them half the slaves she gets in war right when they go against the Portuguese um, and that they, the Dutch are going to take over the fort, Um, particularly the fort her sister is at. um, And they're going to do this with combined efforts. Masangano. Okay. I didn't have, okay. Yeah. Fort Masangano. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, the, so they have this scene where they're ready to go, you know, is it the day of or the day before? I think it's the day before the day they're before. supposed to, yeah, it's the day before they're supposed to attack Fort Monsangago. Monsangago? Say it again. Monsangano. Monsangano. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is where her sister is at. And um, the Dutch need their soldiers back. So back at the coast, Luana, um, the the Dutch are losing against the Portuguese and they need their soldiers back. And so, you know, it's a scene where she's speaking to her, um, one of her warriors and she's like, I really don't want to do that. Like, what do you, like, what if I don't send it back? You know what I mean? And she's like, look, it, you know, if they lose, then we're going to have a bigger problem on our hands than just this fort. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, so she sends back the Dutch soldiers. She ain't want to, y'all. She did not want to at all. But she sends back the Dutch soldiers um, and the Dutch lose. So the Portuguese are back in control. So that was a really good opportunity for her to get her sister back that was missed. Did you have yeah. anything that? What's interesting about the Dutch, because... I think the Dutch were taken aback that she wanted to align with them after all the hell she'd raised. Because, which I kind of appreciate this about the governor. He was like, let me be clear. We here for slaves. So um, mm. that's what I want. And she's like, the enemy to my enemy is my friend. And he's like, true, but we want slaves. So mm. your whole mission, I'm going to ask you to lift that for just me. You know, um, it wasn't like a tricking type situation. Like I feel like the Portuguese kept trying to do with her, you know, um, they, I do feel like the Dutch, at least as it's portrayed in the documentary were a lot more forward Mm. about their evil ass shit. Um, than compared to, I feel like the Portuguese, um, now did they also bitch out very quickly, incredibly fast, like ridiculously fast. Um, (laughs) Like I'm you sure ain't not fast in the sense of years. I don't know how. Of long course not. But if we're comparing right? the Portuguese, they were not ready for that okay. fight at all, baby. They were That's here fair. trying to go up against Portuguese who had been here for some time and expected to get a piece of the pot. And baby, they they weren't ready for what the Portuguese was trying to do at all. 
they clearly did not hear well. They but they did hear about Queen and Jenga, so I don't know. They need to do some more homework because that shit did not last nearly as long as what most ex- would have expected it to. Um, so that's interesting. Fair. It does appear like the Dutch really was not a match. You know, like they tried and they was like, you know what? Never mind. We're going to go hit up another place. Um, Also, I think it's also important to say that, like, the Dutch were one of the first after the Portuguese to call it, to draw their attention towards um, the Atlantic slave trade. But France, Britain, and Netherlands were also getting in on it because they Mm -hmm. were seeing the fortunes driving um, the, the kingdoms and plantations of the Portuguese. So... This was, it was at this point in time in history, more countries were coming to try to conquer as well and colonize. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay, so the Portuguese are back in control. And um, then my notes skip to the priest. So if I can, because my notes don't say this, but if I, I'm remembering. Uh, when she, well, I'm going to skip back to when she had assimilated to them the first time and, and she converted to Christianity, she got baptized. There was a priest there that kind of helped her and kind of explained a couple of basic things when it came to the religion. And anyway, he was caught and brought to her. So mm-hmm. I don't recall, I don't know if your notes say, but he was caught doing something uh, on behalf of the Portuguese. He got caught and then uh, her people was about to kill him. And she was like, no, wait, I remember him. He helped me, you know, when I was there, uh, fake converting. Yeah, Father Zelotes. Um, he was a Capuchin, Capuchin, uh, that. Um, at what was interesting to me, they portrayed him as a black man. I don't know if he was in history books, but he was portrayed as a black man dressed as a Catholic priest, um, Mm -hmm. which was interesting to me. Mm -hmm. That's why I wrote his name down. I wanted to go look to see if he really was actually a black man. If so, what his history was um, as far as how he got there. Okay. So anyway, she was like, yeah, don't, you know, don't kill him. And mm-hmm. um, her new advisor, because, you know, they killed her last advisor. Her new advisor was like, you know, we need to kill him because he's working for the other side. And she was like, um, actually, you know, she wanted to talk to him and possibly use his help. And she asked him and he agreed to help her communicate with the Pope. So she wanted to communicate with the Pope um, where the Pope would agree, wait, she would agree to Christianity and to have her people converted and to have the Pope send other priests or other individuals to come convert and teach her people sort of the ways of, uh, Catholicism. And she wanted to be recognized by the Pope is what she wanted. And he said that he would help her. So in the meantime, um, the Portuguese asked her, um, the Portuguese offered to stop warlike practices in order to get her sister back. Um, she said that they gave her her sister back. Uh, what is this? I'm sorry, my notes. She get, If they gave her her sister back alone, there would be no war. So essentially they was like, okay, let's stop the war if we get your sister back. And she was like, it wouldn't have been a war if you gave me my sister back. Right. You would have never took her. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So they did. They're like demanding her to stop now. Yeah. 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 
they did ask for everyone to be converted to Christianity plus 200 slaves. So yeah. this is their negotiation now, what they coming to. And I think, is is this the conversation we were yeah. talking about earlier where yeah. she was like, do you see any slaves here? So that, it's a, that didn't go well. This don't, I, th- they need to stop negotiating. I'm like, stop negotiating because y'all can't come to no agreement here. You know what I mean? And not yeah. to mention they went back when they were with the first negotiation. So there's definitely a lack of trust here. Yeah. Um, and I think at this point too, she's waiting to hear back from the Pope because she mm-hmm. wants to be recognized as a state essentially. And so with the Portuguese still trying to take anyway, she's like, I'm trying to go above your head right now because go ass is on some bullshit and you're going to keep trying to take people no matter what. And this is where that whole insatiable part is because there was no end, you know, they were trying to fund churches and plantations and kingdoms. So they were just going to keep coming back. And she knew that at that point. So that 200 didn't really mean 200. Cause at this point she done been in this game. What is it like 20 yeah. years? Yeah. 20 years that they've been at this. She's like bullshit. And you know, what's crazy. They keep sending new people to talk to her and she is throughout her lifespan. Like she doesn't get a replacement. She don't get a break. You know what I mean? Yeah. They keep, oh, this governor's not working out. Oh, this governor has been killed. Oh, this governor, like, they keep sending more people. And she's like, it's still me. My whole life is literally contribute, like, given to this mission of trying to hold y'all back as much as I can. Um, So, yeah, yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, so to give context, if the Pope recognizes her in her country as a Catholic country, then she's hoping that will mean like, well, then you can't invade, right? right. We're no right. longer enemies if we're on the same side. So that, that's what she was right. attempting to do with uh, reaching out to the Pope. So um, the wealth of the slave trade builds up the Catholic church. So that's an important connection there. So mm-hmm. um, in this negotiation, she agrees to everything but the 200 slaves. Like, no, I'm not, you didn't took enough. You ain't taking no more. You want me to convert to Christianity? I'll do that. So she built churches across her land and she got her sister back. Um, but she had, at this point, she still hadn't, the pe- they, the people, as in the, the Portuguese, still will not recognize her and she hadn't heard back from the Pope. So five years later, so this took five years, she, and all the while, mind you, she had been sending it wasn't just one communication with the Pope. She had been sending communication repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And this priest helped her do that. So five years later, she gets a letter that she is recognized as an African Christian state. And the Portuguese have to acknowledge that. So uh, according to the documentary, she's the only African monarch recognized in that way. Um, Yeah, she's only, only African monarch recognized in that way or I should say recognized by European rulers as a female king mm-hmm. would be more accurate and her sacrifices was just it, it ensured the independence of her kingdom at least for a while mm-hmm. um, it goes on to talk about when they were wrapping up the documentary that her succession continued with her sister and then three more female kings mm-hmm. um, so that whole succession was female leadership and Dongo eventually fell to the Portuguese um, and then you know later on became Angola 
So um, they, according to this documentary, they minimized her in history. And I'm going to have to agree because I didn't, I didn't know about her. You know, she greatly impacted the slave trade and we, we, I shouldn't say, we, I don't want to speak very bad. I did not know even her name. Um, in the 1960s, Angolans fought for independence and claimed Njinga as their own. So that's kind of, and we, we touched on this in Black History Month um, season two, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did 100 years of Black history. And so we talked about how the 60s was a pivotal time for independence and things like that in Africa. And then, of course, the civil rights movement was happening here in the U.S. So it was just, you know, that. So um, that's that. You know, that was her story. Patrice, did you have something to add? Yeah. um, Towards the end, they said six million people were exported from Angola alone from 1525 to 1866 and the Portuguese occupation ended in 1975. Yeah, 75. Both our parents were alive. Like they were around kicking and raising hell already. You know, um, I think my parents were teenagers actually. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's interesting to me because I think had so, you know, at that time, I don't think, and again, this isn't any fault of anyone, but I feel like had more than just one leader saw the bigger picture here, what happens if Portuguese Mm. is is successful? What does that mean for Ndongo or Africa or just in general, our people within my proximity? What does that mean? You know, because clearly this is my whole life of people being captured, you know. Um, I feel like if more, I wonder if more leaders cut off trades that way versus still Mm -hmm. growing their empires or just thinking, you know, this is a small problem or not a big problem or my army's too big for this problem or, you know, if you pay me, I will also align with you. You know what I mean? If more leaders saw this as the bigger problem that it was, I do get curious, like, what would this actually look like, you know? Yeah, and I think it gets hard to say. You know, of course, we are looking at it from current day perspective, right? So we can see the big picture of millions of individuals being captured and where they were taken from. But if, if you are there in the moment, you know, and yeah, obviously the communication, right? There's not cell phones, right? Like I'm right. in oh, this, yeah. I'm yes, in this course. part of the world and this mm-hmm. is what's happening to me and my people here immediately. I don't know that I have the perspective or even thought process to think that this is about to become a worldwide issue, right? So, and also, and, and they touched on the, and Patrice mentioned this, but I want to rebring this back up about, what slavery meant prior to chattel slavery, right? right? And so when you say, okay, I mean, yeah, that's not uncommon for people to go to war and, you know, whoever loses is captured, right? And that captured individual becomes a slave. Like that's not that uncommon in general, not not African history specifically, right? Mm-hmm. But 
it probably took a while for people to figure out they're like, oh no, this is different. This is not what we thought it would be. This is not, you know, sort of normal in the, in the rules written or unwritten of slavery. And so, yeah, it probably, I mean, by the time anyone, any African monarch could have gotten figured out what we know today, it would have been happening for I'd imagine years before they really was like, Oh, hold on, wait a hold on, wait a second here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but you're right. If 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 people could have been like, um, you know what, I think this is about to be a serious problem. Let's work together, let's whatever. And even towards the end of the document documentary, they mentioned it like she couldn't prevent slavery everywhere, right? So yeah, she just yeah. was like, let me focus on my people. Uh, you know, I would love to be able to fight it everywhere, but they were just relentless. And they were so relentless because if you talk about the statistics in Brazil with the the plantations they had, and, you know, what Patrice mentioned is that slaves only lived, seven, did you say seven or eight years? Seven to eight years after. After being captured. So then turnover is ridiculous, right? So then how can we continue to replenish this? And, you know, this is a, a business for them. And so they were, they had an insatiable appetite to just continue capturing people left and right. How do you keep yeah. up with that? How do you fight that? Even if they could have all worked together, they would have needed that warning like prior, I feel like. Yeah, no, and, and, and that's why I say, like, it's no fault to anyone. It just, for me, I wonder if there was an opportunity to do it and it did happen, like, what that would look like. How would that mm -hmm. change the Have course changed. of things as far as, like, the impact? Um, there were moments where, like, um, her sisters were, like, we're fighting our own extinction. So I do think mm -hmm. that they realized, like, we will perish. I don't know that they thought, like, the whole continent will be impacted mm -hmm. or to what extent. Um I will say, like, the um, narrators, I can't remember the um, the woman's name, but she talks about how um, how those, how there was only two ways to really get through the slave trade at that point, which was either be captured or resist it. And if you resisted, you had to be good at resisting it and continue to try to fight. You know, that's how what's left in Africa is left in Africa today. You know, these are descendants of those who were able to survive it um, or remain, for lack of better words, um, because there was no area that went untouched at that point, mm -hmm. at some point, you know. Um, but it's just, it, it, it's so big, you know. I just, in my mind, I, I do think like, if there was an opportunity, for example, if there was a way to be get a heads up, like what would that have done mm. to this, you know? Um, in Woman King, the movie with Viola Davis, there's moments where like when the Spaniards are coming back to continue to, to take more slaves and continue negotiations and so on, they're bringing back you know, children of slaves who have now grown up and joined forces or for whatever reason are also part of, you know, colonization. And, you know, they have seen what chattel slavery looks like on the other side. And slaves in Africa are learning what is happening in the Americas with their people. And, you know, the communication does start to come full circle at some point. But, you know, I, I don't know 
that there was ever a way to travel, to, you know, communicate at that extent, that way, at that point, or organize in any capacity. But my brain just tells me there was a lot of power, you know, mm-hmm. at that point in time. Um, and I don't know, it's just, it's an interesting story. I always have these moments when it comes to the, the, the story as far as how colonization came to be what it was because you know there's obviously a personal connection to it but I also kind of just think of like the different ways that it could have played out it's Mm. so crazy to me that this was so big and I shouldn't say crazy it's I don't know the word um out of this world to me that it was so big so organized and so successful like you literally damn near drained an entire continent of its people because of the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. You didn't go plucking at Alaska. You didn't go plucking at Greenland. You said right here. That's it. Mm-hmm. Because of the color of these folks. It's just, it's the, I'm always trying to understand the psychology behind it. And mm-hmm. I don't know why I'd even do that because that shit don't make no damn sense. But it just, it's so just, it's out of this world to me. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, But all in all, this was a very um, powerful story mm-hmm. and moment of history that should absolutely be told. Yeah. Absolutely be told. To me, this was like as powerful as Harriet Tubman, Frederick Douglass, Ida B. Wells, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. Like this was that level of powerful to me. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, so many of the stories that the success stories of beating you know the slave trade or going to war with those who were um you know capturing people left and right are left very it gets very brushed over at least here i i can't speak, i can't speak for you know uh, history all over but even when i do a wider search for history you know because we do a lot of research for this podcast mm-hmm. you gotta go digging you got to go digging for the stories of Njenga. Like, you know what I mean? The stories of people who was like, nah, not here, not today. You really got to look for it. And um, so I agree. Yeah, I think her story needs to to be told. And, um, you know, she accomplished a lot, uh, a whole mm-hmm. lot. And she was just an individual who was just a force to be reckoned with from what I saw you know, and was able to witness and set her people up for success going forward. You know, she had the forethought to be like, you know what, uh, if I can get recognized, then that at least buys us time. Yeah. You know, she played the long game, baby. Yeah, that was a, the Going for the Pope game. was a long game. Yeah. She even said the King. She said the Pope. Yeah. That was a long yeah, game. Yeah. That really sure. was. That was genius. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you know, just no shade to Mbande. I don't think he was there. He just was not there. You know what I mean? No. Um, and I think you he know. knew it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Shoot. I forgot. But, um, yeah. Um, powerful story. I think that um, there's a lot of education within it you know what I mean Mm -hmm. as far as how things worked um 
in terms of ports being taken, even the Dutch and Portuguese fighting as well. Like, I feel like there's a point in the Asante wars that um, speak to blended armies. If I remember correctly, towards the end where they were fighting alongside, you know, I'm just making this up. I can't remember the exact, but Spaniards and Dutch, for example, against Portuguese or what have you. Mm. Um, and that is was always so interesting to me because it's like, at some point, you know, you are, you literally are in a position with this army, this war where you have to say, this is going to happen no matter what. I cannot stop this from happening. Mm-hmm. But in terms of protecting the people in front of me or refusing to be a part of, you know, go, just going with it and just taking it, I'm choosing to fight wherever, whatever fight means in this moment, you know, um, that is a very hard place to be in. Mm-hmm. A very hard place to be in. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. What can you do, you know? And then... Uh... I don't even know if the first individuals who, I don't know, you know, in this, in this part of the world, it was the Portuguese, but the first individuals who came to capture people, I don't know if they even knew like, Oh, a hundred years from now, we're still going to be doing it. Like, I don't know if they knew that. Um, but it took off like wildfire. You know what I mean? It did. Um, um... And I was this close to Googling it because I, I, if I remember correctly, it was Northern Africa and it was Middle Eastern or Muslim entities. That's why some of Africa is Muslim Mm -hmm. in the Northern Mm -hmm. region. And forgive me if I'm getting my directions wrong. Um, And I want to say that was, they were the first, but I can never remember at what time period. Mm. Um, it was exactly that's gonna bother me and it's hundred i mean when we've talked before about the slave trade i don't have the dates in front of me but we've talked before on our black history series lasted hundreds of years you know america is just really a, a speck in the mm-hmm. scheme of the slave trade yep. both in numbers and in time frame and everything okay yes yeah. so it's arab forces took over um north africa or today, Morocco, in mm. 710 CE. Mm. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so it was Egypt, Libya, Algeria, Tunisia, probably pronounced that wrong, and Morocco. They were colonized by Arab. Mm. Um, so I was like, I know it happened. I remember studying this one, but um, that, that's yeah. so long ago. That's so yeah. long ago. Yeah. Like, did we ever get a break? Is there a break that happens at any point in time? Because you think know. about biblical times, it's Hebrew and enslavement there. Mm. Like, dang. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's very true. Is there, is there a break at any given point in time? You know? <sighs> yeah. So anyway, mm. I'm glad we got a chance to hear her story. I will be excited to see what else comes out because African Queens suggest there's going to be more coming. Yeah. Um, so I'll be interested to check out theirs. Um, I don't know if we'll do, you know, I'm not promising we'll do uh, more episodes on them, but I'm, I'm definitely going to watch them. And I think Same. hopefully our audience does, you know, as well. And yeah. hopefully we get some more interesting stories that we should should know. 
you know mm-hmm. so that's what i was gonna that. say i feel like there was a point in time where we were like we should do an episode after the asante tribe we were like we should do a episode on just female kings or women kings and mm-hmm. it was so hard to find um mm-hmm. that we really struggled and i think that's where that plan kind of collapsed it is something we had played with yeah a couple of times yeah. um yeah you know just as a thought so yeah. yeah, it's like trying um, to look for slave rebellions. It's just, yeah, yeah. Like we definitely. ain't gonna tell the story. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. can't tell that. We can't tell that story. Definitely, it's out there, but yeah, for sure, you do have to look for it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, so that's so. that. So you never know uh, when another bonus episode might be dropping. Please go back and listen to part one if you if you have not heard part one. I'll be watching y'all listening to part twos of stuff that y'all ain't heard in part one. Me and my organization could never, but I'm not judging you. I'm just saying go back and you heard part two. Go back and listen to part one, um, you know, so that way you have that turn on your notifications because you just never, never, never know when we might be dropping another bonus episode. And you can expect bonus episodes from us consistently throughout our break. Um, so that's that. Patrice, anything else you want to say? Yeah, y'all just be skip, skipping to my little one. I'm going to need you to watch I know, skip. I'll be like, dang, maybe we can skip over part one. Skip, part two. You, you don't skip. be confused? I'll be confused. I don't even like if I'm. I'm gonna tell on myself. Even if like I'm watching something, like my family watching something, and I come in and it started ten minutes ago, I don't really even wanna watch it. No, nope, can't be like, do it. What if I be confused? Did I need it the first ten yes, minutes? I'm gonna be like, yeah, girl, you can get it figured out. You know. Mm-mm. No, I want to figure it out. I want to follow it the way the director told me to. I don't even like if you give me a magazine I want to read the magazine from beginning to end you know how people flip through the magazine and skip pages yeah yeah skip pages (laughs) or go to like table of contents I'm gonna for a while nope I wanna yeah so that's just me so that's you know no judgment you know I'm just saying even if you listen to them out of order go back and listen to our so. I have questions if you do that, but you know, it's your business. It's your podcast. You know, your podcast listening. So uh, I'm happy you listened. Okay. Put it that way. Yeah. Whatever order works, but just, I recommend both parts for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, bye.